When Sachelle McNeil hears no, she believes yes is actually around the corner. McNeil faced an avalanche of no's upon release from federal prison in 2015 after serving a 27-month stretch for improper preparation of an income tax return, wire fraud, and identity theft in Greensboro. She left behind a life with a six-figure salary and two homes. She figured she'd return to her old job since the crime wasn't work-related. It didn't quite work out that way. However, she had a plan. She'd go into business for herself. My name is Herb White. I am editor-in-chief at the Charlotte Post. And this is In Other Words. This podcast is part of a series the Charlotte Post is producing in partnership with the Pulitzer Center. This is part two of the After Lockdown series, an interview between Sachelle McNeil and my colleague, Ashley Mahoney. Here's what they discussed. I was released from prison in September of 2015. And um, actually, the probation officer that I had had told me about a program with um, CCT. Mm -hmm. And so I enrolled in the program. And at that time, it was about, um, you know, reentry skills, Mm -hmm. right? So um, helping you with your resume, helping you with um, um, interviewing, um, helping you uh, identify places um, that were hiring, uh, job fairs, and things of that nature. Um, I really enjoyed the class. Uh, However, I was um, the person in the class that really had um, a lot of experience. So I ended up helping the, the instructors kind of, uh, facilitate, um, some of the class and helping, you know, my classmates with some of the things that they, um, that they were, you know, going through and, mm-hmm. and, you know, with the interviewing questions and doing mock interviews and stuff like that. Um, also, Post-incarceration, I have worked with CCT and some of the people there uh, from a hiring perspective because mm-hmm. I'm a small business owner here. Mm-hmm. And so um, knowing some of the challenges that um, uh, we, you know, we face uh, post-incarceration, I understand, um, you know, that that's an untapped workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a readily available workforce. And it's a workforce of people who have, um, you know, they've seen those challenges. They're tired of hearing no. And so they're ready to prove themselves. Mm -hmm. And so I have hired um, uh, people who have transitioned from the CCT program. So people who have graduated from uh, some of their the training that they offer. I've hired uh, a couple of people. Two, two and a possible. I say a possible because one of them didn't work out too well after a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so from that standpoint, um, I have, you know, had the interaction with, um, with CCT. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, I have to ask the, uh, the, the nitty gritty questions. What were you incarcerated for and how long was it? You do have to ask those questions. I do. I do. <laughs> so, um, I was incarcerated. It was. Can I say a blue, a white collar crime? Yes. 
I can say white collar crime. Uh, yes, if if you are if you'd prefer not to share, that's completely understandable. If you're okay with with sharing what the uh, the crime was, we we can include that as well. Okay, so I was um, I was in it was a white collar crime. I was um, I did 27 months in a, a federal uh, prison mm-hmm. camp. Um, it was the camp that Martha Stewart was at, Houston um, Federal Prison Camp mm-hmm. in West Virginia. Okay. And you know, at the time, I had um, it's it, it's it's something. So I'll I'll kind of lead you up to prior to my incarceration, uh, I was working. Um, in manufacturing, uh, I was an operations manager for um, a large manufacturing facility and a pharmaceutical plant. So there was um, the pharmaceutical plant um, where I was an operations manager. I had uh, three managers, uh, three salaried employees reporting to me, mm-hmm. and probably around it varied from 200 to 275 indirect employees. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to, while I was waiting to be sentenced, I um, moved to another position with uh, Kraft Foods, where I was an operations manager. I had about eight um, salaried employees reporting to me and almost 800 indirect um, reports, hourly indirect reports. Mm-hmm. And um, I I knew that I was going to prison. And in November of 2013, I told them after uh, we broke for the um, – so in manufacturing, you have a uh, Thanksgiving shutdown. Mm-hmm. So when we broke for the Thanksgiving shutdown, I let my boss know that I wouldn't be returning. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell them why I wouldn't be returning, but, mm-hmm. I, you know, I told them I wasn't returning. So I left, um, you know, a uh, <clears throat> six-figure salary. Uh, to go and turn myself in to go to prison. And thinking that all things are fair, I hope that when I returned home that I could, you know, at least go back to the manufacturing world because my um, crime had nothing to do with, um, you know, what I was doing in the workplace. It wasn't associated with my workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I returned home, uh, I was, you know, trying to interview, um, working with headhunters, and I finally landed an interview with, um, oh my gosh, Corning, Corning, um, out in uh, Hickory. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was for a salary position, um, an entry level manager position. Uh, salary was about 65000 This was in 2016. I went to the interview. I did well in the interview. Um, and after, before I could get home from the interview, they had offered me the position. Well, I accepted the position. I had already spoken with HR, local HR, about um, my my crime and, you know, kind of uh, explained it to them. And the local HR said that everything would be fine. It was okay. And we were all set to go. Of course, I passed the um you know, the drug screen um, and the background check. I'm assuming they knew what was going to be in the background check because we had 
spoke about it intensively. Well, I signed the offer, and two days before I was scheduled to start on the first day, I got a notif- I'm sorry, uh, a certified letter uh, from Corning telling me that they were rescinding my job offer. And that hurt my feelings so bad. It took mm-hmm. everything that I had. It sent me into this place of deep, deep depression. Um, I ended up finding employment at um, Waffle House. Mm-hmm. I worked at Waffle House for about uh, maybe about seven months. Mm-hmm. And then I worked at um, UNC Charlotte in one of their um uh, dining room facilities mm-hmm. as a, a line cook mm-hmm. and I wanted to position myself so that no one would, you know, tell me no, mm-hmm. um, that I would be the person responsible for uh, creating jobs, that I would be the person responsible for pulling someone else up and giving them an opportunity and showing them that um, I'm sorry, showing them that it can be done, that you can have some setbacks, some small stumbling blocks, and still be successful. And so I um, started, you know, while I was incarcerated, I was coming, I was writing down everything, and I had a list or a book of uh, jobs or businesses that I could start with um, a small initial investment and a huge return on that small investment. And um, a mobile laundry service or dry cleaning service was what I came up with. And so I went to, (laughs) this is the good part of the story. I went to over 50 dry cleaners and laundromats in Charlotte to see if they would work with me Mm -hmm. and be the processor for my mobile laundry business. Mm -hmm. 52 people told me no. They wouldn't work with me for whatever reason. The 53rd person, this gentleman by the name of Paul Kwan, Mm -hmm. he was the owner of uh, the Sunrise Dry Cleaners over on Albemarle Road. Mm -hmm. When I spoke to him, he initially told me no. He didn't, well, he didn't tell me no. He said he didn't have time. He said he didn't have time and that he was going to be going on vacation and um, that I should come back. So I went back in a week, and I reminded him of who I was, and I told him that, you know, I had done a little bit of research. I told him that I um, was very serious about, you know, starting this business, and I told him that I would do anything and everything that he needed of me, um, you know, so that I could learn the business from the, from the, you know, inside at the lowest point to the highest point. And I told him that I would come in and work with him for free. And he said that because I had agreed to come in and work and learn, he was, that made him comfortable with me, that made him want to work with me, and he told me yes. He said that I seemed safe. He said that it was, would be a good fit because I was willing to learn. And he took me in, I worked in his shop for about six months, and then I started my mobile laundry service, mm-hmm. the washroom laundry service here in Charlotte. And within six months of starting the washroom laundry service, I was able to purchase one of his shops, which is the Sunrise Dry Cleaners, over at the intersection of Margaret Wallace and Idlewild. Mm-hmm. And that was my shop 
up until the pandemic <laughs> forced us to close. And so that um, is how I got to, you know, owning this business. And I, I came from prison with, you know, nothing. I went to prison. I had a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I had, a, you know, I had a, a house. I had two homes. Um, I owned one in Greensboro, one in Fayetteville. Um, I had a savings. You know, I had a 401k. While I was gone, the government took all of my 401k, um, my daughter, my daughter was five, six at the time. Um, she was six at the time. She went to stay with her father, uh, post-incarceration. I had the battle of my life. I had to go to family court, you know, uh, for, for custody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm fighting this, this, this legal battle with, with no money. And so, you know, things have just come full circle. Mm-hmm. My daughter is now 14. Um, she is, uh, you know, a resident of North Carolina and Maryland. She lives between the two of us, uh, her dad and myself. Um, I've gotten my life back on track. No, I'm not working for anyone in corporate America, but I'm working for myself. Um, my company is thriving here in Charlotte. I'm able to be an employer to other people. Um, we have, um, you know, a very good reputation uh, for customer service, and um, that lends itself to knowing that it doesn't matter you know, who you are, um, but if people see something genuine in you, you can be successful. Like you said, that I think that's that's certainly something that a lot of people from, from all walks of life that, that desire to be in a position where no one can tell you no, that you get to call the shots. Is that something that you see a lot from fellow members of CCT or fellow colleagues and employees who are just so tired of seeing barrier after barrier after barrier? And there's like just looking for some sort of whether it's described as, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel or just an opportunity. Yeah, and it's it's difficult. It's that is the hardest thing, you know. It's when someone tells you no because of something you've done in the past. Um, that that thing continues to hold you back, and it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And you know, I am nervous about this article being published and whether or not it will bring a negative impact to my business. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, people tell me that my story is tremendous and I believe that I have done something, um, something good, but, to, but society has this stigma mm-hmm. about someone who has a criminal past. Mm-hmm. And so while I share this story with you, I have some reservations, but I just want people to know that Bad things happen to good people mm-hmm. all the time. And something bad happened to me. And it shouldn't um, have a negative impact on the rest of my life mm-hmm. because there's so much more to me 
in 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 what I have to offer, mm-hmm. right? And what I can can share with my community. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't be stifled by um, you know my past. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like there's, and I know that, um, again, this is only something that can be spoken to having experienced it, but like you said, there was kind of this sense of saying, you know, six-figure salary, owning two homes, kind of like whether you call it, you know, a, a dream, the the American dream, insert given uh, phrase phrase here, but you, you also mentioned turning yourself in. Was there a sense of something that was missing that, that led to the, um, to the, to the white collar crime? Um, <laughs> uh, there was at the time, um, I had, um, just recently been separated. Um, I had, um, a young child mm-hmm. and, um, I had a young child and an older child, Mm -hmm. and I was trying to make it. I had made the poor decision of taking a new position for what I thought was the money. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought the money was better. It was was much better than, than the position that I had had, but it ended up not being... Uh, you know, it ended up, I was not being paid the equivalent of my white male, um, counterpart. Mm-hmm. They were being paid a lot more than me, but I didn't know. I wasn't aware of, you know, of, of my, my value at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, um, a direct correlation to being, you know, the first person in my family to graduate from college, mm-hmm. the first person in my family to try and, uh, you know, enter corporate America. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you don't know. And because you don't have those um, um, uh, role models, you don't know uh, how to... Uh, negotiate a salary. Mm-hmm. You don't know what the the starting points should be, where they should be at. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know those things. So going going forward now, you mentioned, of course, the the struggle and and the battle with corning and the battle that you faced with depression after that experience and then the the in between jobs if you will what other barriers and and challenges have you faced throughout this journey wow um <laughs> access to to healthcare mm-hmm. um returning from you know from from prison um there was of course you know we all have a need uh for health care mm-hmm. i suffer from migraines mm-hmm. right i've suffered from migraines for years so um returning back to society i had to find um uh health care provider that um 
there were people that did sliding scales, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't have a job, so mm -hmm. I couldn't pay for, I couldn't pay the sliding scale. Um, I needed, uh, you know, medication, uh, the prescriptions for, you know, migraines. They were able to, once I found healthcare, they were able to write me a prescription, but then there was, um, uh, paying for it, right? When you don't have a job, when you don't have health care, uh, you get the generic drugs. Um, not only do you get the generic drugs, but you get drugs that may not necessarily be for your your ailment. So I got things prescribed to me that were not necessarily for, they weren't the best things for migraines, but because of the lack of access to um uh, oh Jesus! Um, lack of access to healthcare um, and insurance—that's what I had to take, mm -hmm. right? Um, finally, found uh, a uh, Lake Norman Community Health Center. They offer a full range of, you know, medical services. Um, we're able to connect with them, and I believe that I connected with them through CCT. Yeah, mm -hmm. they provided a list mm -hmm. of uh, places that you could go, and they were able to get me in, and they serviced me from a, a healthcare perspective um, for a good while. Mm -hmm. so but healthcare was a uh, was a major a major uh, point of um, you know a major issue. Thanks to Shell McNeil for sharing her story of. Falling, getting up, and recovery from probably the lowest point that any of us could imagine going to. And thank you for listening to Another Words. Be sure to check out the reporting on this series on our website, thecharlottepost.com. And remember, this type of reporting needs your help to continue. So become a subscriber to the Charlotte Post or a donor. Either way, it helps us produce groundbreaking journalism that has importance in our community. My name is Herb White. Thank you so much for listening.